Welcome to the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast, where educators come together to discuss their journey on the road to financial independence. Now, please join our co-host, Dave and Brandon, as they prepare to help other educators get fit with their finances. Welcome and thanks for joining us on episode number 98 of the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast. If you think your story can help other educators and you'd be willing to come on the show, please shoot me an email at getfiteducator at gmail.com. I know people love when we have teacher guests on the show. We've got a teacher guest from Texas on the show. He actually did his debt-free scream on the Dave Ramsey show a handful of years ago. Uh, And I just want to welcome Ryan Cruz from Texas, from Dallas to the show. Ryan, how are you doing today? Oh, man, I'm just living the dream, guys. Glad to be here. Better than I deserve. (laughs) (laughs) So so tell us a little bit about. Hold on, hold on, Dave. I have to ask Ryan a question. I had the best steak that I've ever had in my life in Dallas, Texas. Downtown Dallas, not far from the Rockola Cafe at a place called the Butcher Shop. Mm -hmm. Have you ever eaten at the Butcher Shop? And why is it the best steak in America? You know, I can't say that I have eaten there actually, which which is unfortunate. But I have had a lot of fantastic steaks uh, here in the Dallas area. I've, I've never been to you, Texas, man, so I just go to the Texas Roadhouse here in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Hey, look, you know, you, <laughs> walk in and open, you walk in and they have these open grills with these grates over them, and that's where they that's where they cook the steaks at. And I I had mine with shrimp. Now I dropped a hundred bucks on that steak. And so, you know, I was, I was feeling, I, but I was not feeling any buyer's remorse after I ate it, man. It was, it was, it was really unbelievable. Like how much, I mean, steak is steak, how much, how good can he, can he get, you know? And it was like, man, that was amazing. So if I lived in Dallas, you know, I would probably uh, have a sinking fund for steaks uh, from the butcher <laughs> shop. Well, everything's We big, have a lot of fantastic uh, restaurants out here in Dallas. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get I into your Dallas story, Dallas. Ryan. Uh, Speece is making me hungry here. So, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how long you've been teaching, where you're teaching, what you're teaching, and, and that whole thing. Uh, I teach for Louisville ISD, uh, which is just north of the Dallas area uh, at a, the Colony High School. Uh, I've been there in the same classroom for this is my 11th year now, and I haven't moved. This has been the only school that I've been at, I really enjoy it. It's a great place to be. Uh, it's a great district to be at. And uh, and I get to teach what I love teaching. So I teach several other business classes, but primarily um, a personal finance class that is quite popular on campus. Yeah, tell us about the stats. Uh, we know Texas is a huge football state. Brandon and I are big, big football fans, and Brandon played in college. Tell us about the numbers with uh, your high school and the football team and your class. It's uh well, it's the number one elective uh, on campus that students try and sign up for. Um, in fact, I actually have more students sign up for uh, my personal finance class than sign up to play high school football. Um, it is just that popular on campus. It, it's pretty cool. Do they have to do a draft to, to figure out who, who gets to get in the class? I'm sure parents and kids are fighting over who gets in there. Yeah, typically, the, yeah, it's uh, – uh, in the past, it's kind of been more towards the upperclassmen have gotten more priority towards it. Uh, and then the state has changed some things and we're starting to kind of move more towards the underclassmen 
um, in the way that the, the state is changing their requirements and, and what's coming around the corner with all of that. Yeah. So the, you know, you're teaching the personal finance class to what degree are the kids? Well, let me ask this question first. I think, do you, is there something you do on the first day to sort of hook them? Oh, absolutely. And talk absolutely. to us a little bit about that. Man, first day, uh, minute one, everybody, you know, I'm at the door in the hallway, students are coming in, I, you know, direct them to come on in and have a seat. Um, after the bell rings, I, I don't even introduce myself. I, I step into the room. Uh, used to, I used to have uh, a pair of money pants that just had money and dollar bills all over them. Uh, and so that was kind of fun. Uh, COVID wasn't very good to me. So I kind of outgrew those pants and I have replaced those since with some custom uh, money print vans. So now I have Vans tennis shoes uh, <laughs> that I wear in class. And they actually have my name on the back of a mister on the back of one shoe and Cruz on the back of the other one. Uh, but when I step into the classroom, I tell the kids, I don't even introduce myself yet. I have them shut their eyes. I tell them, I want everybody to close your eyes and think for just a moment. I don't want you to speak. I want you to think. Think about a millionaire. What does a millionaire look like? Who are they? What do they drive? What do they look in 15, 20 years from now? Who are they? What do they drive? What kind of house do they live in? What kind of clothes do they wear? What are their hobbies? What do they do? What is their job? And then I just let them stew on that for just a moment. And then I ask them a question. Why didn't you think about yourself? And I think it just kind of, it, it brings them in and hooks them a little bit. And, and they start to really open their eyes a little bit at that moment. And some of them, you know, they, well, cause I'm not a millionaire. I said, well, I said 15, 20 years from now, you could be a millionaire. And especially if you do the things that we talk about in this class. And then I tell them, my name is Mr. Cruz. I introduce myself and I'm going to be a millionaire. And I start off with that. And sometimes I have some kids chuckle at that um, and, and they don't realize that I, I'm dead serious when I say I'm going to be a millionaire um, and, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen for me. And I tell them it doesn't happen by chance. You have to plan for it. You have to make it happen, uh, but it's going to happen. And so I kind of use those couple of things to, you know, kind of set the tone for the, the semester and, and uh, let's have some fun. We're going to work hard, but let's have some fun. I think that you really should right then you should say, and so give me my theme music like Deion Sanders does in the locker room before pregame speeches. And then, you <laughs> Prime say, time. and then, yeah. And then, so you say, give me my theme music. And then it'd be, I want to be a millionaire. So freaking bad. That'd be great. Make sure you sure. got the clean version. Cause I, I, have yeah, a, say, I, I don't even know. That I, that's the only line from that song. I know well, the actual kid, song know. says the F word bad. Oh, uh, that's bad. Okay. So I don't know. I don't even I've know got a personal talk. finance playlist that I'll give you guys uh, in my class. I've got like 38 songs that all deal with money. So whenever yes. they're doing worksheets or whatever, I, I put on that personal finance playlist. You've got dire straits, money for nothing. You've got, the Bruno Mars song, which I accidentally played the original version, the whole class, it was like dying laughing because they know that I don't really cuss much. Uh, so I got the clean version there. We've got Pink Floyd, Money. Um, a lot oh, of you have to share that with there. us, man. That's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. So do you, what are you doing to become a millionaire and, and how transparent do you get with your students? Do you pull up personal capital or mint and show them your net worth and where you're your money is, how does that work? And, and where are you? What is your net worth right now? If you don't mind me asking. 
Uh, current net worth is uh, just north of six hundred, about six fifteen right now. Almost. There. You will be a millionaire. Um, <laughs> what's that? I said. I guess you will be a millionaire. No, oh, I yeah, absolutely, absolutely. My wife and I are working on it. the The goal is four. Uh, I don't know that we'll get there, but uh, I, I tell my kids I'm very transparent with my kids. I, I tell them if they have any questions, please ask. I'll tell them just about everything, but my social security number. Um, and so we, um, I, I don't have many kids like ask to see certain things, but I do have some kids that will ask, and and I will pull up budgeting stuff. I use Mint.com to budget and. Um, I will pull mine up and kind of show them what we do and, and how I use the website because there's different ways to manipulate it and, and make it work for you and uh, encourage the kids to, to use it or something similar. And I'll help them work through some of those things too if they need some help with it. And, um, you know, I want them to be successful and I want to be a good positive role model um, for them because I've certainly made enough mistakes in my past. But um, And how old are you, Ryan? Uh, 41. 41. Okay. Yeah, 41. Just this week. So how do you get, so, so what have been the strategies that have gotten you to the 650 mark? I mean, that's really good. They say you double your money every 10 years. So, you know, uh, every seven to 10 years. So you're looking at a situation where you're going to be well over a million dollars within seven to 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, but, but that's, you know, of course that's, um that's stock market investing, I think, but, but, but I mean, real estate investing sometimes even, even better, especially in the market today. So, uh, just curious, what what have been the steps that you've taken that have gotten you to the six fifty mark at this point? Um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes early on, um, in which I tell my kids too that I, I want them to avoid that. I had in college, you know, growing up in in high school, I started. I had my first credit card at seventeen. This is back when you could get them in your name at seventeen. Um, I had a, mm -hmm. a real bad cycle of debt going through college where. I'd run up the credit card and then the next semester the student loan would come up and it would pay my tuition and the credit card off. And then the next semester I'd run up the credit card and then the, had this real bad say. And then when I graduated, well, there was another six and a half thousand dollars of credit card debt and no student loan coming to help me pay that off. So I had that and I had another $23,000 worth of student loans and the the first week I graduated college, I was like most normal people. I went out and bought a $20,000 car. So the week I graduated, I was $50,000 in debt and uh, 23. And I, I got a degree. Actually, teaching is my second career. My first career was in hospitality. It was my degree. And I used to manage uh, country clubs and food and beverage operations. And my first job, I made $32,000 a year. And I was $50,000 in debt. And so I kind of treaded water for a long time uh, while I was in that career. Things really changed for me when I decided to change my career and went back to school to become an educator. And when I started to teach personal finance, because I wasn't just going to teach it and preach it, I had to actually do it. If I'm gonna talk about this stuff in front of 90 kids a day, all day, every day, I'm going to do it. Um, I, I just, that's just the way that I am. I'm not going to, um, trying to lose in a word. Um, 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 can't, it's not coming to me, but, um, I'm going to do it too. And so the curriculum that my district provided for me 
was the Dave Ramsey curriculum. And building on the Dave Ramsey curriculum, I think, is great for these kids. Uh, I think it speaks to so many of them. Of course, it's different for different demographics and maybe different areas and, and different teaching styles. But for me, it works really well. But it really changed my life because I started to put into practice and share a lot of personal stories with my students that uh, exemplified the things that were being talked about in the videos for the curriculum. And that curriculum really helped provide me a lot of hope uh, and the spark to get started that, you know, this can be done and, and I can do it too. Um, and so that was really kind of the spark for me and the motivator there to really start to turn around my finances and pay off these debts and, and get going with it. What is your household uh, net income? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, household net income is just shy of 200. Okay. And that's, uh, that's just, that it, when I say net income, that's just salaries. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. Not net. That would be our gross number. Uh, net is closer to, we're bringing home closer to 120. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about this all the time when you take two, uh, I, I guess I guess we would call that pretty close to middle income earners, Dave, wouldn't we? I mean, yeah. I mean, if they're making two two hundred thousand combined, I would say that's you know you're you're on that upper middle income scale. Yeah, you're I would on the say. upper 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 middle income uh, uh, threshold. But we we talk about this yeah. on the show all the time <clears throat> that if if um, if a couple can get on the same page and and really you know pull their resources and and say, hey, look, we're going to do this together. And we're going to use our net income. I mean, your net income could be, I mean, you know, if your net income is $100,000, if your net income is $80,000, $90,000, you know, two middle income earners can really make it happen. I, I'm, I would love to hear a little bit about um, those con how those conversations happen in your household and, and how that developed. And before we get into that, I just want to be clear from, from the teacher side. I'm curious, you guys make 200 a year combined. What is your salary as a teacher gross pay per year out of the 200? Um, about 70 okay. of that is coming to me. Uh, and that is for uh, not just salary, but I do some extra stuff for stipends. I do some extra um, stuff for hourly pay or um, covering other classes during my conference period. I will stay after school and, and do the Wednesday night school detentions that we offer um, and things like that. And because it, it all adds up, right. It all helps to contribute to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're closer to the to more towards the higher end of the middle income. Uh, my wife was really a big catalyst when uh, to kind of get us moving even faster. When I met my wife shortly after I made the career change to teaching, um, she she makes obviously uh, good money, but she didn't really know what to do with it. She was saving it and didn't know much about investing or where to invest or anything like that. She was just saving for saving for security reasons. And uh, when her and I met, uh, I mean, even four months later after we met, I was doing her taxes. <laughs> I mean, she just that's how little she she is into um, her own finances at that point. 
much more into it now and, and paying attention, but we have always had financial conversations uh, since we met. We have always made it an effort to be on the same page, to have goals together, um, our goals to retire early together, our goals for home ownership together, our goals to own uh, rental real estate property together. Um, we, we talk about these things. Our, our budget is a constant topic of conversation in our home. We use mint.com for budgeting and we both have the app and we can both reflect on the things and kind of see how we're doing. And we, we communicate about finances quite often. And I think that really, that really helps. It helps a whole lot to have somebody who's on the same page and working towards the same goals with you. Brandon, we've talked a lot about that on the show of if you're married you know, there's different challenges, right? It's it's challenging to be single. It's challenging to be a single teacher. There's no room for error or very little room for error. When you're married, it's challenging because you have a money personality and your spouse has a money personality. They have a different background and a lens that they view the world through as do you based on their family and how they did it. But coach, I know you've talked a lot about, you've got to be on the same page with your spouse and you've got to communicate. And obviously Ryan and his wife seem to be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that it, it, it caused me to question the the value of the zero-based budget um, because of my own experiences. Um, not that I don't like the zero-based, but I love the zero-based budget. But you, it, it's more than just giving every penny or every dollar the right assign or, or an assignment. You got to give it the right assignment. And so sometimes you can zero out your budget but, uh, you know, so you can zero it all out, but if you're not allocating enough money to the right places, you've zeroed it out and you're paying your bills, but you may not be building any wealth and you also not, might not be building any security for future problems that could, could come up. And so, um, you know, you got to have the zero-based budget plus. And so when couples get together, they have to conversate on where their money is going to go. What, what do we agree on in terms of allocating money towards investments, towards a savings account? towards sinking funds, towards charitable giving, you know, how much money are we willing to go into debt for? You know, I mean, you know, of course, you know, we always love the debt-free conversations, but that's not always practical for every, every couple or every person, you know, uh, what if what you really value is driving a new car? You know, we had a net worth millionaire couple that one of their cars is always leased. Some would say that's the worst thing you can possibly do, but they were net worth millionaires by the time they were 50 leasing a car. You know, so there's there's a lot, but but the difference is is the two of them got together and they agreed on how they were going to spend their money and they agreed on an overall vision to build wealth. And so I look at someone like Ryan and I knew before I asked the question, obviously you guys are on the same page because you don't build a net worth of six hundred fifty thousand dollars unless the two of y'all are working together. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and Brent, I know you're not a big fan of the zero based budget, but. Uh, my wife and I are building it with the zero based budget. No, I mean, I know I, I, it's not that I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I know that it can work. You, you just better yeah. be giving every dollar the right assignment. You can't just give every dollar an assignment. You got to, I think Brandon right looks through the zero based budget, a budget through the lens that he experienced and it, yeah, didn't, I do. it didn't I do. end up and working well, you know? So I think what yeah. we've got to be clear on is that it can work, but you can't just be like, oh, I'm doing a zero-based budget and never go back to it. And you you have to look at percentages and, and other things, and you really have to work that muscle. Just saying I have a zero-based budget isn't going to build wealth. Yeah, because I had one. 
And, yeah. and, and I wasn't building any wealth or saving much money, but I mean, I was paying my bills and I was okay month to month, you know, and I, I, I was using a zero based budget, but I just didn't have a lot of financial, what, what I would consider financial common sense. I didn't have it. And so I wasn't, and, and so I wasn't uh, planning yeah. for things that I should have been planning for. So you and your wife, you know, you guys, so I love that you just said you're using the zero based budget, but I'm sure you guys sit down and you say, okay, but we're going to allocate money for investing money for, you know, whatever. And I'd love to know a little bit more about how your budget works. Like what, what are your line items? How much are you giving to certain categories? And if you don't, you know, to the degree you're comfortable sharing those things. Yeah. Well, we, um, you know, this is the, the whole budgeting thing is the, it's the personal side of personal finance, right? Like, and, and what works for me may or may not work for you. Right. Uh, and so you, the, really the personal side of it is you just have to find what works for you. And that's what I stress to my kids too in class is like, Hey, what works for me doesn't work for you, everybody. And then you do have to just, just try different things. And it, we do the zero based budget in class, but we talk about some of these other styles as well. And you know, what works works. And you just have to find what works for you and keep trying until you do find something that works for you. Cause I don't know very many people, if anybody that I've personally met that is successful with finances that doesn't have a budget. Right. Um, it, it's just that important. Right. Uh, so it's, you got to do it. You got to do a budget of some sort. And, and I'm on the opposite end of that a little bit. I, I saw David Gorley, one of our friends of the show who talks a lot about student loan forgiveness, him and I agree on, mm -hmm. on a lot of stuff. I need to have a budget because the budget gives me permission to spend. Because mm -hmm. I'm such a tightwad that if I don't have a budget, if I don't have a zero-based budget, if I don't have envelopes that say I can go out to eat, I just won't go out to eat because I say, well, man, I could have invested that money instead. So some people need a budget because they've got to rein it in. And others like me, we need a budget because if you don't have one, then you know you become Mr. Mr. Frugal Pants and the Scrooge and you never have a good time. But a budget either way is imperative. So Ryan, I'm really interested to hear um, you, you obviously started, you know, in the hospitality field, you switched to teaching, uh, you start mm -hmm. teaching the Dave Ramsey curriculum. It sounds like you inherited that. It wasn't like you went out and recruited, let's buy this stuff. Have you heard or had you heard of Dave before that started? And I, I'd like to hear more about the journey of, you know, as you were learning along, maybe with the students, those first handful of years, have you graduated from some of Dave's teachings and then, uh, kind of going back to Brandon, I don't want to steal the thunder on that. He had a good question as well. This is loaded about like, what are some of those line items of like, how much do you invest? How much is your house payment? Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really, I really did kind of go through the first several years of, of teaching. Um, were, I, I shared a lot with the kids. I, I, a lot of my struggle um, was shared with the kids. And I think the the students really, um, were, were with me and they loved hearing that things were turning around and where things were going. And, uh, as you know, many of them have, have friended me on social media and, and so they'll, they'll see things, they reach out from time to time and ask me some of their own personal type questions. And, uh, but I, I will share some of my other wins and stuff on social media as well from time to time. And, and they're always like there to, to still kind of cheer me on and, and be some of my, uh, my great supporters, which is, which is awesome. 
Um, and, and like I said, I think Dave is great for the foundations and learning and really got me into the budgeting and, and how to master the zero based budget for, for our family and, and, and getting into, you know, getting out of debt and that whole travel, um, that whole journey. But then, um, you know, when I got into baby steps four, five and six, I really started to wonder, like, is there, is there a different way? Is there, is there a better way? Is there another way? Something that might be better for me and, and my family, you know, again, the, the Dave Ramsey plan is great. It might, uh, it works for many people. It's been proven over and over again. It works for a lot of people, but I think once we got that far in, um, it didn't always work for our family. And so I started to really kind of break in and, and learn, um, learn more, become more of a student myself in listening to different podcasts like this one and 403BYs and what those guys do and Choose FI and what those guys do. And I've really become a big fan of uh, JL Collins and the Simple Path to Wealth and that style of investing um, and have embraced a lot of that. Uh, Paul Merriman and what he does with his uh, four funds too, and starting to learn more about that and embrace uh, more of what Paul Merriman is doing as well. Um, mm -hmm. But just the the overall idea of the low cost index fund um, type of investing, I, I think is is what works for me and and our family. I th I really think that's what works for every middle income earner. Um, I don't I don't know that I would ever advise a middle income earner to do anything else but total market index funds or at least like S&P index funds or something like that, if that's what you want to do. But um, we, we don't have room for error. We, we, we can't we you know, we don't have a lot of money to go out there and just, you know, take chances and do all that. I don't I, we don't advocate for any speculation at all. We want to invest and and investing in the American stock market, for example, makes a lot of sense. I understand the American stock market. I don't understand all the companies in it, but I understand the concept. And they always say, you know, don't invest in something you don't understand. And and so when I read The Simple Path to Wealth by by Collins, I mean, it it really, I, it, I connected with it. And I said, okay, this is really what middle income earners should be doing because since we don't have money to mess around with, we want to actually build wealth. I can't see a better way to do that. I've, I've, I've read all as many books as I can get my hands on. I listen to the podcast. I listen to what, you know, read the, the, what the financial experts say. I have not seen a piece of advice better um, for my specific situation. So, uh, you know, I think you and I and Dave too, I think we all kind of connect on that for sure. That's been, I think that's been a big part. Something else you said um, looking at, you know, you get to steps four, five, and six, you know, I, I'm the, I feel the same way, you know, steps one, two, and three, that's for everybody. If you're in debt, man, you better get yourself an emergency fund. You better get yourself out of debt. You better get yourself an, a real emergency savings account. I mean, look, those, those things, those are fundamental to personal finances that you, you have to take care of. But at, once you get there, once you've got the fully funded emergency savings account, once you're, you know, you're on a great budget and you're executing that budget well, couples can kind of go different directions from that point if you want to. And there's a lot of different, you know, good things out there. And one of the things I love about uh, about this show is that we get to talk to people like you who maybe do things differently. And, you know, when you start listening to all the different ways that people do things, you can start kind of, you know, cherry picking. Oh, I kind of like what he does. Kind of like what he, there's very few things on this show that are just consistent throughout the index funds is one of them. I and mean, we, I, I don't think we've interviewed a guest yet that doesn't invest in index funds. I mean, that's what they do. I think that's what makes sense. But when it comes to budgeting, especially, 
there's a lot of different things that people do. And so, you know, whether, you know, do you have a car payment? Some do, you know, some, some lease, you know, so do, do you, do you, you know, how do you use your sinking funds? You know, some, some people do, some people don't. So my question would be this for you as a long way around to get this question a long way. I took a long way, the long way to get to this question, but what do you think that you and your wife do differently uh, that maybe listeners would say, okay, that's, that's maybe a little different about the path that you're taking towards financial independence and building wealth. Man, you know, kind of like what you talked about, you start hearing different things from different guests and you get to cherry pick all the different yeah. things that you think would work for you. I, I think I, we've done some of the same. I, I don't think that we've really done anything that is outstanding or can't be duplicated. I think we're just, very normal people living a, a fairly normal life. We pay attention to our the big three expenses that that we spend money on, that every home spends money on right. is your shelter, your transportation, and your food. And we try to find ways to minimize those. We don't have car payments anymore. We will never have car payments anymore. Um, that was, that was one of the lessons that really, um, changed my life when teaching the Dave Ramsey curriculum is, I don't know if you've seen the, the video that they've put out, but of what you can do with a car payment. If you take a car payment and you were to invest that over so many years and then just peel off some of the growth and buy a new car every five years and just keep investing what would have been a car payment, uh, the number turned from 475 a month, I think turns into five and a half million dollars. And that was the video that, that really kind of really pushed me and got me into overdrive. Me too. Right. To make some of this stuff happen. Me too. And the, and the car thing, Brandon and I are both going through some situations right now with cars that, you know, my car and my wife's car, both are around or over 200,000 miles. Brandon has an older vehicle. And I think that's why this stuff is so important to get in the hands of the young people. That's why the, the class is so important. And I've shifted on this over time. Again, you know, I love the Dave Ramsey stuff, but I also don't really, once I got to baby step four five and six, I kind of started doing my own thing a little bit as well. But I think the key is at some point you've got to be able to have a reliable car to, to kind of have that plan. So if you, if you're going from clunker to clunker to clunker, you're either like putting a bunch of money into it or it doesn't last that long. I personally am okay with the car payment. I kind of like what the money guys talk about. I don't know if you've listened to their show. I love them where they That's talk about put, put 20% down, try to pay it off in three years and then try to drive it till the wheels fall off. But during that period of time, once it gets paid off in three or four years, then you do exactly what the Ramsey plan talks about where you take the old car payment, you invest that into maybe it, uh, a brokerage account or, or whatever you're comfortable with, maybe a high yield savings account, and you pay yourself over the next seven or eight years. My wife and I have done that. We haven't had a car payment in about eight years now, and we've got approximately $35,000 in a sinking fund for the next one. So when car trouble does hit, which we're kind of dealing with that right now, we can either use it toward re repairing the car or we can use it to, to just get a new one to us. So I do so like that car. strategy. My, my car, so, so from a single teacher's perspective, I have put $8,000 into my car in the last six months or eight months, whatever it's been. And um, so, uh, so, and it's back in the shop 
as we're recording this episode, only this time because they messed up. And so this one shouldn't cost me any money. They've got to get it right. I'm, out, I'm still leaking oil. So here I am with a 2010 Mazda CX-7. It's been a good car for me. It's been paid off since 2015, 26, somewhere in there. I've not, uh, I did not, was not into the personal finance thing until 2020. So I did not have a sinking fund during those four years. This thing would be way different if I would have had a sinking fund during those four years. I've spent what I had for a sinking fund on on the repairs now, like I'm done. I don't have, so I, I have to have this car last me for at least two years without incident. And if it doesn't, I may get stuck with a car payment again. Um, because what else am I going to do? I have to have a car. And so, you know, I think there's probably, you know, just to put a little perspective on that, how much would my sinking fund have been over the last three years? If I would have been married with two incomes coming in, you know, I might could have made a different different decision, but being single, I wasn't able to do that. And so, uh, you know, so depending on where you start, I think sometimes you you might have a car payment. Like, so if I if I have to do this, I, I might look at this and say, well, I may have to have a car payment, but I may try to do what the what the money guys say and say, look, let me let me let me buy something that's as affordable as I can get, pay it off as quickly as I possibly can, and then get back on the on track again. You know, so. Um, sometimes there's hiccups in the road, Dave. Sometimes. And I think that's, that's something that we don't talk enough about of, you know, being a teacher for 17 years, I've had students that, um, you know, when they graduate college, maybe their parents are in a position to, as a graduation gift, they either gift them a car that maybe they were driving that was gently used, maybe under 50,000 miles, or I've had students in the past that their parents or grandparents get them a car. And um, imagine as a young teacher. If you could have a, a vehicle that had less than 30,000 miles on it, please, if you're a young teacher and you've got a vehicle that's new with like less than 30,000 miles, drive that thing as long as you can, but also be saving for the next one. Otherwise, you can be in a pinch. So what a gift that some people are able to give to their children. And sometimes we overlook that, just the gift of transportation that you know is going to get you from point A to point B. That's right. So yeah, that's good, Ryan. I'm with you. I don't really like the car payment myself but we've got a plan for it. And I understand if people have to do it for a period, let's get into your strategy as far as, you know, what are your priorities? Uh, I know you've mentioned rental properties. Dave Ramsey talks about investing 15% of your income. I'm in this weird spot because my wife is a high income earner and I'm a teacher that I'm kind of Brandon, would you agree? Maybe a part of the fire movement, uh, but I'm not like all the way in on the fire movement because I feel like I have to teach till 50 to be able to get my pension and insurance. And my wife's had cancer. So that insurance piece is so important for us to have. But Brandon, would you say that I'm a fire movement person? I would say that the the Dave and Stephanie way cannot be, uh, cannot be placed under any one umbrella. I would say that you and Stephanie have your own, you dance to the beat of your own drum. And, um, you know, you, you, sometimes you are saving and investing in a way that is scorched earth, but then you don't mind going out and buying a boat either or putting a pool in. And yeah. so, you know, you, you guys, um, I, I would say you guys are, are, are like Ryan in the sense that you're not following any one specific method. Uh, you definitely, I know you want to retire at age 50, but you're not scorched earth trying to retire at 50, you know, uh, and, but you, you're probably still going to get there though. You're probably, I mean, I have no doubt that you're going to get there. You're already a net worth millionaire. You know, I, I, I feel like in 10 years, it's going to double. So you're going to, but in terms of just kind of placing you into a, a, a category would be hard to do. You and Stephanie do your own thing. And, and I think, I think if, 
if Stephanie wasn't a high income earner, I'd have to pick a way probably. So that's what I'm interested to hear. Like Ryan, what is your way? Um, are you guys invest? Are you maxing out say the, the four, 403 B are you big into the 457, which I love. So you can actually access those investments pre 59 and a half. Are you and your wife big into the Roth? Are you guys kind of foregoing that to save up to buy real estate? How does it work in the cruise household? Um, you know, real estate for us at this point is, is more of a, a dream. We, uh, we do have some money set aside. We were lucky enough to refinance our home, uh, right. That, that first COVID summer. And so we got a great interest rate and saved, uh, quite a bit of money every month. And, and, and so we started another sinking fund with that savings. And that is our, uh, real estate sinking fund that, uh, is slowly, slowly growing there. Um, our other investment priorities, we, we try to max out an HSA every year. Um, right. my wife does have, um, her own health issues as well. And so she does not have a high deductible plan, but I do. And so we max out the individual HSA. We do uh, max out two Roth IRAs um, every year as well. Um, and that would be one thing I think that, that we probably do a little different because you were asking about that earlier. We do a little differently than, than others. Um, we, <clears throat> we like to give and we like to be able to, to give. And so what we try to do is, is build some money into the end of the year to be able to do that. So with our Roth IRAs, we try to max those over 10 months. And then in November and December, we have that money that would have normally gone to a Roth IRA that we can do our Christmas shopping with. Uh, our daughter was born in December. And so she's gotten lucky enough to have a birthday the week before Christmas. And so now we have some money built in where we can use that to kind of throw her a party. And these things don't throw off our budget uh, in any other way, because we kind of have it, it built in there. And so that's one thing that we have found to do a little bit differently than others. We uh, prioritize. Uh, I, I do contribute to a 403B. Unfortunately, it's not getting maxed out. And uh, my wife does also have a 401k available at her work. And so she uh, contributes to that. We're not maxing out either one of those because we also do that car replacement uh, account that we also plan on being a bridge account for uh, early retirement plans too. So what we made when we were in debt, we made $800 a month in car payments. And so now we save $800 a month for car replacement, sinking fund um, investments. But it's all, awesome. yeah, all in all, we actually invest uh, close to 25% of our gross income goes into those investment accounts. So 50,000 or so. Yeah, close to it. Um, now, some of that is kind of earmarked to come out. You know, we'll pull out for car stuff. And we'll pull out for the HSA as we have health issues arise. So that isn't all going into investments that will grow until retirement. Uh, but um, but it, they're still going into investments that are growing. In order to do that, you're <clears throat> you're being frugal, obviously. And and you know we I always go back to this because I'm you know you see the patterns. You're being you have to be frugal to put that much money towards investments. 
Um, you, so you, you know, you talked about being on the zero based budget and you and your wife being on the same page and deciding, Hey, how much money is going to be allocated? Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're being fearless by investing so much of your income. You know, that's, that's, that's a scary proposition for a lot of people, but you're making that happen. And you're, you're certainly a lifelong learner. You, I mean, you're listening to a lot of podcasts, you're reading a lot of books, you know, Dave Ramsey got, you know, you've been a personal finance teacher for what, 11 years now. And so you're obviously studying, you know, for that. So, you know, we, again, we identify all these patterns and some of these patterns look, I mean, you know, they're patterns, but there's differences in the way they're executed in people's lives. But I think that when people evaluate their own life and try to figure out, are they on the right path? You ask, you have to ask, am I being frugal? Am I being, am I trying to live according to a budget that, um, that sort of matches my income and I'm being strict? Am I, am I being fearless enough? You know, am I, am I willing to step out on faith a little bit and, uh, or maybe not step out, step out on faith in some ways when it comes to maybe starting a business or something like that. But, you know, am I willing to invest my money and, 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 and take it, I hate to see even say take a chance because I think index funds are about as safe as it gets, but, but still, you know, allocating a lot of your money towards investments can be scary, especially when, for, when you first get started, when you're even scared to even start an investment account, you know, um, that it, it can be a little scary. And then mm-hmm. are you being a lifelong learner? Are you continuing to try to learn new things and stay encouraged? When you're doing those things, man, success is, it's inevitable. I mean, you may have some bumps in the road. We, I think, I don't know if we're going to edit that part out, but I mean, there's, I've got some bumps in the road right now for me, but I know that eventually if I keep practicing those three things, I'm going to break through and have real success. And so Ryan, kudos to you and your wife for really making that happen and really, uh, really, really doing all the right things that are necessary to build wealth. And um, that, that's, that's going to, that's really encouraging. I think to people that are trying or just getting off the ground, you know, they haven't done their debt-free scream yet. So. Yeah, you know, and we didn't start off being able to invest this much money or having these sinking funds that we have. I mean, this is a plan that has evolved over 10 years. And right. and kudos to you, Brandon, for doing what you're doing, because I, I started it when I was single. And I remember it's not easy, uh, but it can be done and progress can be made as you are are seeing and, and showing and demonstrating yourself. And but it does become a little bit easier, a lot easier when you have two incomes and and people that are on the same page working towards common goals. Right. Absolutely. So you've been teaching uh, personal finance for 11 years. Um, any any uh, any cool stories of kids that have moved on and they get back with you and uh, they say, Hey man, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And, you know, um, and, 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 and there may, and there may not be, I don't know. It depends on how, 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 how students are, you know, whether or not they, I don't know, there's a lot of factors that come there, but I'm just wondering if you had any uh, cool stories over the 11 year period. Yeah. Yeah. Usually a couple of times a year, I find this subject to be really rewarding to teach because, um, you know, the, the students, even at a young age, they understand that, I'm not having to teach the Pythagorean theorem and explain to them like they're, you're going to use this someday and try and make up some make believe story about how they'll use it. Like they understand when they step into my classroom, they're going to learn something that someday they're going to use. And, and they really embrace that. And they will reach out to me years later. I usually a few times a year 
I get somebody reach out to me and they may still be in college. Last year, I had a, a young lady who was in college and studying finance and wanted to um, had to make a presentation and wanted to talk about some different numbers and requiring a personal finance course. And so helped direct her to some some resources. And um, a few years ago, one of my first students, when I first started, he really kind of helped me or, or kind of cheered me on through the process. Uh, he was our, our high school quarterback, and he went on to play at the collegiate level and then was a grad assistant and is coaching at the collegiate level. And he, he reached out to me and was like, man, this is great. I, I, I still have my workbook materials from the class. I still reflect back on it regularly. Uh, I'm winning with money. I'm doing it. And it was just it was a phenomenal story uh, that he was doing so many things right. And he had school paid for because he was a student athlete. It was, it was really, it was great. Um, and so it, it's wonderful. To, and I get those stories all the time from former students, but, but his was one that, that particularly stood out because he had such a great story being an athlete and having school paid for that way. And, um, and just the, the wealth that he was beginning to build at such an early age. Such a rewarding class to teach. And, and Ryan, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's funny. We hear a lot about people in today's climate with education, especially based on last week's episode on what should teachers really make. We hear a lot of people trying to transition. You'll see it on social media posts like, what can I do as a former teacher that translates to the business world? Or how can I get out? How's it going to work? It, it almost sounds like your life, I don't want to say saved, but your life was forever changed when you actually left from a different industry in the private sector, it came into education. You happen to be teaching personal finance and through, you know, the growth, watching the, the Ramsey videos and participating in it, teaching it. There's nothing like teaching something. If you want to find out if you really know something, try to teach it to someone else. And it sounds like this has been a big, big part of your journey, having moved into education and teaching personal finance courses. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it was life changing for me in so many ways, just making the transition into education um, it was, you know, at the time where I did it, you know, my, my motivations were very different at the time I was thinking I had so many failed relationships working all the nights and weekends and holidays and all year round. It was very difficult to, to have a relationship. And so I wanted to, to move into a phase of my life where I could have a successful relationship. And it shouldn't, certainly didn't take long after making the transition to, to find my wife and, and have a successful relationship. But um, it, it's been, it's been really a life changing experience for the positive. I, I actually, I've made more money in education than I did in the private sector. And, uh, and it's, it's been wonderful for me in so many ways. And now that I've got a family and a daughter, it's, I get to spend summers at home with her. I get to spend Christmas and Thanksgiving. And like I, I tell my friends, I'm a grown man with spring break. <laughs> That's an awesome feeling. <laughs> it is a good feeling. It is a good I, feeling. I tell my students, Hey, enjoy it while you can, because when you leave school, <laughs> you will never have another spring break. <laughs> unless you go into education. Yeah, I will, but you won't. That's right. Uh, so, yeah. so Ryan, I really love your story, man. I love, I love the, you know, I went from the private sector to the public sector. I, you know, uh, you know, the, the way you met your, your wife and the decisions that you made that enabled you to have the, the, the successful relationship that you talked about, <clears throat> the, the pathway that you guys have taken towards building wealth, 
the being the personal finance uh, teacher and having that be like kind of like your wild card uh, was teaching personal finance and being introduced to the Dave Ramsey stuff. I mean, that was your wild card, man. That was, that was unexpected, but it produced unbelievable results for you. Um, You know, your, your, yours is the classic be frugal, be fearless, be a lifelong learner uh, story, I think. And so I would like to ask, uh, just kind of in closing, is there anything about your story or any advice that you would have for people who are listening um, to either encourage them or just reflect something in your story that maybe you didn't get a chance to talk about yet? You know, sometimes the journey starts with just one step. You know, you just you just have to start. And sometimes that one step is the hardest step for somebody to take. But it, you don't get to the end unless you take that first step. And once you take that first step, that second one becomes easier. And the third one is even easier than that. And when I first started this journey, my ambitions were to, you know, retire at 65, like a normal human being, right? And th- this is <clears throat> maybe even work after that if I was still enjoying it and as I've taken more and more steps and found them easier and easier, my retirement date has moved up. I'm like, the soonest I can retire in the state of Texas is 55 and start collecting. And so I'm, I'm trying to make something like that happen or, or really soon after. But right now that's the goal is 55. Um, but it, it, none of it happens unless you take that first step. That's right. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, Ryan. Uh, Coach, I appreciate you as always. Ryan, great guest. Uh, You'll definitely have to come back on. And, you know, I think I could learn a lot from you in my personal finance classes and and Spice will be starting that up shortly. So it's always nice to find other people that are teaching the same curriculum. And, you know, I love your first day idea in in the classroom. So great story and congratulations on, on being a dad. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. And anytime you'd like to have me back, I'm, I'm happy to come back. We appreciate it. And thank you so much for all the Mm -hmm. listeners joining us for this week's version of the Fit Educator Podcast. We hope you join us for next week. Be frugal, be fearless, and be a lifelong learner. Take care, everybody.